0: You're listening to... Whoa! Whoa. Potluck. Potluck.
1: And you're listening to The Clubcast, a podcast about pop culture and the creative life from an Asian-American perspective. Welcome to episode 137 of the Collabcast. It is Monday, September the... September 11th. Wow. Oh. Moment of silence. My name is Marvin Yue.
0: I'm Minji Chang.
1: And we are your hosts for this weekly look at pop culture in Asian America. And this week, uh, we brought in a ringer to talk about Asian American pop culture. Uh, We have Tracy Lee, the lead editor of... NBC Asian America here in the studio with us. How's it going? We
0: finally made it happen because we've been trying for months. (laughs) I know. Busy schedules. Busy schedules. Journalism doesn't sleep, it really doesn't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Um, Tracy is also a host of her own podcast. The Dawson Speak podcast.
2: I've got so I do a lot of side projects because I just don't like <laughs> sleeping, apparently. Apparently. I'll so I host say. two podcasts. We just what? launched one of them. yeah, so oh, wow. Dawson Speak, which actually my deputy editor for NBC in America, he <laughs> and I co-hosted together. Because nice. I just we it's like we don't talk enough. So now we've got to talk about Dawson's Creek. Nice. And then um, and he's never seen it, so that's the <gasps> Yeah. So I've we're actually never we're seen it either. It. <gasps> it's like a classic teen soap, like so nineties teen soap, and it's great. And then the other one is um it's a podcast called Bring It All Back, and it's about TV reboots and revivals. That's nice. awesome. Yeah, so I'm going to really listen fun. to
0: both of them. <laughs> now I'm like singing it in my, I don't want to
1: wait. <laughs> I just know it's, um, it's James Vander Bake and the dude from Mighty Lux.
0: Yes, Joshua Jackson. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. That's how everyone's Charlie like Charlie Conway it's like, in my <laughs> head. It's what, Pacey, Pacey in the, in Justin, the show, yeah. but what's his what's his name in the Mighty Ducks? He's the
1: dude that sleeps with the teacher, right?
0: Yeah. Okay,
2: that's a storyline that we had to go past very quickly because <laughs> it's not a great storyline. No. But that was 1998 on the WB. That's
1: what I'm saying. I was like, WB, <laughs> damn. Right? See, the only reason I knew that is because they made fun of it on Family Guy at once.
0: Oh, <laughs> see, everybody referenced because it was such a such a cornerstone of <laughs> the 90s culture. Yep.
1: <laughs> but yeah, welcome to, um, it's been another action-packed week. Um, hopefully, we are nearing the end of a crazy weekend. Um, hopefully, our listeners out in Florida are safe and doing well. Um hopefully everyone in Houston still recovering after the the hurricane out there. Um it's crazy. I was actually reminded that I was in the East Coast during Sandy.
0: Oh, I um, know. Um
1: and I remember it was just like all the water was gone. Everyone bought water yeah. before I got there. So I was like crap, what am I going to drink? But luckily um Sandy missed. The Mid-Atlantic, where I was at.
2: Good. Where okay. were you uh, in, when I was happened? in D.C. Okay, yeah. I was living in New York during Sandy. And it's just because <laughs> you can only drink the tap water yeah. in New York. And then, of course, you were not supposed to be drinking the tap water. Right. So in New York especially, New Yorkers were very like, it's not going to hit us. It's fine. And then it hit us and power went out all over Manhattan. Oh it was my crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: I forgot. I for, see, there's, there's, I was remembering Ike the other day because Jeff Chen mm. from Collaboration Houston, he was on my podcast. We were talking about all the relief efforts because he and his friends have been just working nonstop. But yeah, there have been a lot. And someone was just talking about Katrina like a couple hours ago yeah. with us. So it's, it's been crazy. So it takes, it's a, it's a long lasting effect too. It's yeah. like, it hits and then you got to,
2: there's a lot get back of economic normal. and rebuilding. And I mean, working in the news business, like, we're just constantly watching. This was happening, and then of course it was just a, an earthquake in Mexico, and yeah. it's just like There's the economy a is taking warning. a huge. Yeah, that's why yeah, people freaked it. out
1: out here too, because like you know, plate tectonics and stuff. Like, yeah, we're due. Apparently. Welcome to we, California. We, we've, been, we've been due for like. Stop the last 20 years
0: i know yeah we've been okay but like serious moment though people get your emergency stuff ready like i have a friend up in oakland who is super on top of it she shamed me in like a great way because she was really like <laughs> no this is you just it's better to be safe you know so she I, had all her stuff yeah oh, and
1: for okay. all of you guys here from like the east coast of midwest do not treat earthquakes like tornadoes it's the opposite
0: what is? I don't know what that. means.
2: Yeah, because you don't know when an earthquake is yeah. going to come. Like, not that it's like easier to deal with a tornado or a hurricane, but that's one thing I realized. You just don't know when an earthquake is going to hit. There's not yeah. like a bunch of buildup, and you don't see weather right. patterns.
0: Also, you sometimes well, they say that there are, but it doesn't. It's not really
1: accurate. Yeah, I mean, the most important thing we worry about earthquake preparedness is to avoid things falling on you. So you want to be under things that are structurally sound, tables, things like that.
0: You know what? I think we should make we should make some sort of like viral funny. Like emergency preparedness mm. video, I just think that'd be a great um contribution to comedy and to the world safety. I mean,
1: we used to have those. I mean, if you play the ones we watched when we were kids, like those are um, pretty like, well, funny, those if you are watch pretty funny these days. Pretty dramatic, yeah. everyone's dressed like in, as 70s, they have like when mustaches. You
0: know, like, I'm gonna become Amy Poehler. I'm gonna become Leslie Nope and be like, Hey, everyone. When you-.
1: <laughs> Uh, we joke, but seriously, everyone, be careful, be prepared. Things are crazy. This weather is nuts these days.
0: Yeah, it's a little. I mean, I, I can't imagine. Like, for me, I was getting it, – it's been getting – okay, I've I've spoken on this multiple times, but it this year has been, in various ways, stressful. And I feel like it's, it's a constant push-pull of, like, how do I maintain calm and sanity? Because you want to create normalcy and whatever. But this week has been, like, getting under my skin because it's creating anxiety. Like, what else is going to happen? So, yeah, I'm sending you a hug, but also let's get a first yeah. date kit.
1: <laughs> getting hit politically, naturally. Yeah.
0: Na- natural, like, naturally? Naturally.
1: <laughs> um, environmentally. Marvin can't
0: English right now because he's so and also in written. my
1: wallet. But anyways... Um, Every week, we start the podcast with a pop culture roundtable where we talk about what's on our minds in the world of pop culture in Asian America. Um, This week, let's start with our guest. Tracy, what's on your mind?
2: So what's on my mind is this news I saw about Billy Magnuson. If you don't know him, he was in (laughs) Into the Woods. He played... the the not very bright prince, I think. Um and then Apparently he very well too. Yeah. And uh he is also in uh Birth of the Dragon, that, that new Bruce Lee film that right, came out. There, or movie he, about Bruce Lee. Um he played I don't I didn't see the movie, so I can't judge.
1: But he plays like the white guy who yeah. is, is. he in, a
2: made-up white guy?
1: He's like the white guy in that well, movie. <laughs> Speaking
2: of made-up white guys, and, Billy yeah, Magnuson's gonna play. I mean, <laughs> he's gonna be in the Aladdin sort of uh, live action take Right. they wrote a character for him um, he's some prince but yeah That's
0: I, fighting for Jasmine's hand or yeah something. and
2: I saw that news and I saw a lot of people tweeting they're like count on Hollywood to be like how do we make this actually marketable <laughs> oh let's put a white guy into Aladdin like why people were gonna see Aladdin whether or not it had a
0: white person in it do you so. know how like these people have no idea how beloved this story is everyone was gonna watch it. It's just so bizarre
2: to me that they needed to insert this character. Like, And it's so obvious. Yeah, it it's is. And so it's it, it's like, okay, if Pixar and everyone can make films out of talking inanimate objects and you made a live action, you know, Jungle Book with all these CGI, like, why do you need to be like, the only way people are gonna watch this? Yep. It's <laughs> like so a white person in it.
1: So our friend Naomi Ko, who is a expert of historic history history what, what, what is, is wrong what with, is it, with me why, um Marvin? is um she did p- put a post saying technically it is feasible because the turkish empire and like the vikings i guess had political liaisons um so Technically, it is possible. That doesn't um, take away the fact that it's unnecessary. Yeah,
2: it's not part of the story. I mean, that's the <laughs> yeah. same reasoning that they gave for The Great Wall, being like, technically, because yeah. of geography. And it's like, okay, well, but that <laughs> wasn't why you did right. it, bro. Exactly. It's There's, just, I
1: just didn't, didn't
0: understand why you needed There's to do it. There's this great
1: tweet from Jomny's son, who wrote that book that um, our previous guest, Chris Lamb, read from. Oh, the cartoon um, book,
0: the little thing? Yeah, everyone's yeah, an alien. It's, oh, it's, oh, it's so a, cute. Yeah,
1: it's a great tweet. It says, uh, Studios, if a film has no white characters, how can we cast white actors? Everyone don't cast them? And the studio says, yes, create white characters. <laughs>
0: oh, God. Yeah. Well, this is what we talked about with Justin Chan when we were, when we had him on the podcast for uh, Gook because he was talking about how that was a major obstacle or like a thing that he had to deal with which was like that in order to get this movie funded or created, like people were suggesting literally point blank to his face like we, can we add a character who's white so that we can have like
1: not only white... Oh, it's point like, of
0: connection? I don't yeah. know. Not
1: only white... Was it, can there be, like, a white cop, maybe? Yeah.
0: It's like it's like people of color
2: are expected to relate to every movie and TV show and story about white people. And yet, when you put people of color on the screen, white it's people are relatable. like... relatable. They think, oh, white people are not going to relate to it, which is so not true. Because I have many friends who are white... And are like, I'd love to see Aladdin without a white person. <laughs> yeah. It just
0: makes, uh, I, and I you can,
1: can f- probably cast a Dawson's Creek with multicultural people, and it's still oh, be just as juicy and good.
2: That's a nice plug for I think
0: today's episode of Dawson's <laughs> <laughs>
2: Speak that one up. We recasted Dawson's Creek like the twenty seventeen revival. I
0: want to be Joey. I, I want to be Joey. I swear to God, when I was a teenager, I was like, I could play Joey. I'm that tomboy. That's all angsty and like, I love my best friend, and I don't just, know what to do.
2: Because <laughs> that's the thing about revivals. In twenty seventeen, you can, you don't have to just make an all anything
0: yeah, yeah. and it, it gives it a different dimension but like this is just so unnecessary and it's just baffling to me because clearly these people they are very much out of touch because they have not been clearly not paying attention to any sort of mainstream conversation because this controversy has been in the mainstream for quite a while yeah. enough people have spoken out about it so now i'm just like you're just dumb <laughs> like
1: <laughs> there's probably some dumb. executive at disney or abc or whatever that's like Looking at the cast and saying something's not right here, (laughs) I don't know what it is. Something deep inside of me is upset about this. Guy Ritchie, right? Guy Ritchie's
0: the director. I I haven't watched like a plethora of his movies, but is is he someone that's kind of particularly out of touch? And this is in character for
1: him. I mean, the last movie he did was The King Arthur. It was supposed to be like a, the first movie of oh, a like long the Oh, I saw that. King Arthur. Yeah, didn't it not do well? It didn't do well, but that had a pretty diverse cast. Okay. Like, you know, They had like black people. No, he's not in inserting
0: it. the white person because he's like, diversity.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not, I mean... <laughs> I'm not sure whose decision this is. Well,
0: yeah, I'm yeah. Correct. I mean, when if
2: you go decision. into casting and everything, there's so many people yes. who have a say in it, and, and the I'm the sure enough people have said, in "The studios, yeah. what about this character?"
0: I mean, Guy Ritchie very well. Th- really, though, he could very well have been against it. He's not the ultimate sayer. Some, yeah. I mean, actually, can you do you know more about that? Because who's the actual ultimate power player? I would that? assume
2: it would be studio executives. Yeah, like, whoever's studio, that, so not, not even, the people who are in the studio who are part of the actual creative they hire process. Him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the people, yeah. it's his bosses essentially. Yeah.
1: It's people looking at like number crunching and saying, well, if we add a white dude, we might be able to get more racist to come out and watch the movie. Right. <laughs> or <laughs>
2: I, don't know. I think it's, it's maybe it's an attempt to broaden appeal, but it's just done in such a, bad way yeah Yeah. which is frustrating because disney and abc have never had a reason for me to doubt them before they've done quite well with diversity on of networks they're like the leaders of
1: like mainstream diversity yeah
2: so seeing this is just like who decided this and why
0: (laughs) i'd love to know why well now that's i feel like that's your next just like investigative right i'm gonna start calling them up
2: up?
1: i feel (laughs) like yeah there's like there's there's some i feel like there's now added pressure on this dude um what's his name steve magnuson
2: Billy Magnuson. Billy Magnuson to like... I wonder if he's gonna...
1: (laughs) (laughs) To like, to really nail it because all eyes are now on him. I wonder if he's
2: gonna come out and say... Because he hasn't said anything about it. I'm just curious if he
0: says something. I mean, this is just like hot on the heels of of Ed. It's green. It's green. Yeah. Yeah. But this is
1: a Disney gig. I mean, you don't turn down Disney gigs.
0: I mean, I get that. No, I get it. I mean, really, I get it. But at the same time, I just... I feel like it's like the really bad timing or like the most perfect timing. We're like here and here. What are we gonna you do? You know with what these? I
2: think it is? I think it is because in the animated movie it was like Aladdin versus like Jafar was kind of like wooing mm. Jasmine. But the guy they cast as Jafar is like kinda hot. He's fine, dude. So if they're gonna have to be like, all right, if it's the choice between these two, like maybe we just need to throw in like a yeah, random yeah, yeah. ringer
0: in here. I, to, we gotta make I, sure it's now I'm team Jafar kind of. I just want <laughs> him to be like, to like the most
1: goobery white dude like in like <laughs> Arabia. Just like totally bumbling and like has no shot. <laughs> <get>
0: <laughs> Oh dear. Oh,
1: what's on your mind, Minji?
0: Um so what's on my mind? I just recently watched a video this is a viral video that was recently shared. It was a Nydia Han. I don't know if that's how this is N Y D I A Han. Um I believe she's Korean American, I'm just guessing. But um she's she's a news anchor who had a response to some, a woman that she had an altercation with. She like had a spat with this woman while she was crossing the street. It was a green light. She had the right of way, and a woman was turning left, didn't see her, which happens all the time in L.A., in any metropolitan area, anywhere in America. She wasn't paying attention, and then they ended up like yelling at each other while she almost hit her. She was like, six inches away from hitting her Mm -hmm. and then um, they were arguing about who had the right of way which is a total normal argument and this woman speeds off and then screams out the window this is America so she had some words and I just really want to applaud her because she she spoke super eloquently and she she hit so many really it was only like a two and a half minute video but she which is like my worst challenge ever like Minji sum up all your feelings in two and a half minutes like no I'm gonna need an hour um She just articulated stuff so well about stuff, her mind and her feelings and facts and everything. Have you watched the video? I've seen the
2: video, yeah, and I, I saw people. I mean, I applaud her for doing that because it's tough when you already have. I'm not saying she has like a platform, but she's already like a public figure, right, right, right. So. I think that's a good thing that she spoke out of it, but it's really tough to do that. So. It really
0: is. So that's it, what I'm saying she was so
2: eloquent with it.
0: I, mean, I actually yeah. kind of it's for real I kind of avoided watching it cuz I saw it in the morning and I didn't <laughs> watch it until night cuz again I have that I was like oh god how's this, how's this going to go? <laughs>
1: I feel like you've done something like that before. I really. have.
0: I have. And that's why I feel I feel mad anxiety of like I don't know how this is going to be received and then I get really self-conscious about what I'm saying even though I'm trying to just be as genuine and authentic and real about like my anger whatever it is that I'm feeling uh, cuz you you're on camera a lot too and you have all your thoughts and opinions i mean it's a lot of anxiety It is. And sometimes I want to
2: say a lot of things that I'm like, I don't think this is the right (laughs) medium for it, you know? Like, maybe I should think about this and then just, like, write a Facebook post. Mm -hmm. Because that's the thing. Like, if you – I'm sure she had it scripted and she had, you know, gone over it in her head. Because sometimes if you just immediately, like, something happens to you and you go and turn on a camera and talk, like, what comes out might not be the most logical Mm -hmm. thing. And so it's just all emotion well, sometimes, <laughs> exactly. But it's very honest too. It's very honest, which I think is good. But at the same time, like because the internet, I mean, yeah, any- yeah I can exactly. Right. On anything on the internet. I mean, at
1: the same time, when you when you're speaking from like a place of like like anger and Pure like politics, rage, that's when you get someone shouting. This is America. Yeah, I'm sure she wishes she could have take that back. Hopefully, yeah. If she's like a good person, but then when you're angry, you're just like. You, you say stuff you don't mean That's sometimes. That's her, like, right? first
0: immediate response is, this is America.
2: I bet it's, I mean, I'm not going to defend her. I don't know what this, this right. person's actions were. And I've seen so many cases of this. Like, there was um an amazing uh, friend of mine who is a well, well-spoken, well well-known Sikh American activist, Simran Singh. He's a professor right now. He was running in New York, and somebody called him a terrorist. And he stopped, and he turned around and talked to this person and had, like, a dialogue. And Afterwards, he had written this Facebook post about it, or he had tweeted, like, this just happened to me, yeah, I right? That. And everyone was like, oh my God, tell us more, blah, blah, blah. But he, I think, has learned from either experience or seeing from other people. He's like, I'm going to take a moment. Mm-hmm. And then when he got home, he thought about it, reflected, and then he wrote a very eloquent essay, which we published. And um, I, I think like, that's a good way to go about it, because yeah, I would um, just tweet. Yeah. And that's
1: <laughs> like, I that's like not the best thing I've <laughs> done. It's like, um, you know, every time you walk out of a job interview, you always think of the best answer.
2: Yeah. Right yeah, yeah. 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 So and you I want to run back in been. and be like, "Oh,
0: wait a minute." So, can I just can we delete and then <laughs>
1: I've <laughs> actually written like actually what I meant to say was I was a kid, I was dumb. Um,
0: oh, so <laughs> earnest. No, but I've definitely had those moments cuz and this the the really terrible thing is that those those moments like Sadly, for a lot of people of color, for just different people, right? We've all had these different moments, and then you, it kind of like sits in you. Yeah. So that's a, that's the, that's the reality, and it's because I'm like working on my emotional uh, maturity. It's like n- being aware that this is accumulated anger right that's the sucky part is like then uh may the force be I don't know good luck to whoever is the straw that breaks your camel's back you know what I mean because then you will then unleash like years of all this suppressed rage of like and that's happened to me where like everything that everyone insulted my mother and and my brother's fights and like I just like I hate you and right now it's just so fragile because everyone's on a hair trigger Mm -hmm. you're like are you going to be racist with me Don't mess with me because, like, I'm about to go. It's going to get crazy right now. I mean,
1: these days, too, you have more and more people who are willing to speak up and talk about it, right? Like, even, like, maybe three, four years ago, we didn't get these types of reactions, like, calling things out for being not cool or not right. This is what what just happened to me. I remember even, like, two years ago, there was a guy in New York who, I guess someone shot out a window, go back to China. I forgot his name. Sorry, dude. Oh, Michael um, Lowe, the um, yeah. Yeah, New yeah. Yorker
2: editor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New York Times editor, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And he went and wrote, he wrote about it. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was, for a lot of people, that was the first time they've read something that's happened to us before. But it's the first time it's been out there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, there was this study that just came out saying that, like, Asian Twitter is the least active amongst our own community. Like, we follow white Twitter more than, like, people of color Twitter. And... I think it's because we have this innate um, fear of giving our hot takes, even though we have tons of hot takes. For sure. Right.
0: Actually, I just... So, I have my my own podcast, and I had my mom on for one episode where I just want... It was right after Charlottesville and Mm -hmm. I wanted her to share her immigration story and then also really, you know, briefly, because we didn't have that much time. I need to have a longer podcast. But I just (laughs) wanted her to give her take on how she experienced racism and a lot of the things that I was... I learned a lot about it because she had told me some stories, but it's the first time I'm like sitting and interviewing my mother. But she was... You know, she spoke a lot about that, you know, that why she felt so much fear and why she didn't ever feel um, encouraged. Like she was kind of she was bullied at a job at PG&E and she didn't ever want to speak on it because how did she know that that boss was not going to do the same thing to her? And like, would she be punished in some like a way because they have these other women's back who like being really mean to her? She want to lose her job. She She already knew that all the barriers that she faced as a Korean woman who is very limited English to secure another one and all yeah. these different, you know, there's so many layers to this and there's a lot of reasons why people don't put their thoughts out there, but then it's, it, it, it becomes really bad because then we're just ingrained and programmed and trained to like never say anything about anything. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're like, oh, I can't do that.
1: Which is why we're lucky. Now we have outlets like NBC Asian America.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. It? plug. Nice Thank Good you.
2: Plug.
1: <laughs> um, okay. Uh. What's on my mind before the break? People on the, who've been listening to Pod know that I've been reading a lot more lately because I have an Asian American book club. Um, also a podcast, my own podcast <laughs> on books and vulva, um, but le- recently I've been reading books that aren't our monthly picks, which is weird. I've been reading extra books, extracurricular Look book Look at reading. you, Mar. And not only extra <laughs> books, I've been reading books that are like 600, 800 pages. Look
0: at you, I started Mar. reading,
1: um, so Ken Liu is an author. He's known for, um, translating Xi Liu's Chinese science fiction series, The Three-Body Problem. But he has his own series called The Dandelion Dynasty, which is a, it's basically like, Easter inspired fantasy. It's basically Game of Thrones, but with like more Eastern flavor. Mm. So instead of kingdoms and knights and stuff, it's like empires and advisors and militaries. It's based on you know like three kingdoms, foreign states, period, China. And I just didn't like it's it's one of those things like like with representation. I didn't realize that like this was something that was possible. But it makes so much sense, right? It's like yeah. the, the Warring States period of Chinese history is so fraught with political and martial you know, um, stories that having a fantasy world based on it makes all the sense in the world to me. Right. I just want to bring it up because it's, it's, I'm like totally into it right
2: now. <laughs> <laughs> Did I read correctly that that? It's like option for a movie, or like it might become a movie I was or just series about to or say it should I'm be. I'm not sure. It,
1: did, it won like all the awards um, yeah. in 2015, it won the Hugo Award, Nebula Awards. Like it's definitely. Um, I think the three body problem might be option for a movie. Oh, I saw
0: some buzz around, like, the... Yeah. I mean, I feel yeah. like it's, just, it's ready to... like yeah. The way you're describing it, it sounds like it's ready to be <laughs> turned
1: into a movie. It's coming sooner And then everyone have their hot takes yeah. on that and
0: be like, why didn't you catch this person? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, this, the first book is about rebellion against the empire and building up a new empire. The second book's all about, like, court intrigue. So, Empress, Consort, su- Succession. It's, it's super, like... I sound... I feel really nerdy talking about it, but oh, it's, I love it. it's, like, really... <laughs> Um, it's like um you know how growing up, I'm sure I don't know how you guys were, but you know, you watch the dramas that your parents watch and most of them are like historical dramas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you get used to these tropes, right? Like empresses, emperors. I didn't
0: like, that was actually a new thing. K dramas <laughs> were were much more about dainty kisses that lingered in the air <laughs> <laughs> But weren't real kisses nice. and I was like learn from Dawson's Creek
2: <laughs> <laughs> No, I totally know like the um I just remember all the princesses and then yeah. the yeah
1: yeah I,
0: I, I feel it <laughs> yeah that's dope no and that's what I'm saying oh so my best friend's Chinese American so i say I'm Koreanese because we grew up a block away <laughs> from each other and we would like we would involve ourselves in each other's cultures a lot like she ate all the kimchi and I watched a lot of like the, her Chinese because uh, we lived yeah. across the street from a Chinese market. Next door to a Chinese video store, yeah. so we would borrow movies like Pretty Woman with like Chinese subtitles.
1: Nice. But like,
0: I I kind of absorbed her culture, and I was just—we would always note on this. We're children, but we're just like always kind of noting how different. Things were because she was also into K pop. She was into 90s K pop. Mm. And then I was like, How come you guys don't have any boy bands? <laughs> like in my head, I was like, I'm not into any of your music. And she's we like, We f- don't have
1: stuff like this. <laughs> no, we we have boy bands. Well, she said no, There's not, not a, as she, had, That she
0: didn't think was we like, we Not had, as amazing. We had
1: the Tiger Team. We had LA Boys. F4, our F4 uh, from F4. our version of Meteor Garden became a boy band.
0: Very cool. Cool F4. <laughs> See? Yep. Hidden gems. And then
1: they got sued by the the um, the owners of the Flower Four brand, so they had to change their name
0: interesting oh, wow. <laughs> see there's so much that we just don't know that we don't know i didn't know that there's so many dramas on like the empresses but that totally makes sense and it's funny that koreans we have all these dramas but like it was actually later after my in my 20s when they were actually making this really really popular k-drama that was focused on mm. um you know the all the dynasties yeah. Like i was like how come this why wasn't this a thing <laughs> i think we we're just trying to recuperate from the yeah. wars
1: <laughs> i also bring up um asian books because just this past like couple months, there's been a lot of like Asian book deals, right? L- like Tracy said, books that have been optioned or being made into movies. Just just recently, they're making um, Jamie Ford's book um, on the corner of oh, I forgot the name, but it's being produced by George Takei. George yeah, um, To the Boys We Loved Before by Jenny Han that's being made into a movie um there's
0: this movie those when you brought up your book i was just thinking of michael lewis because the the book flash was resurfacing (laughs) that conversation i was like damn because i was like man sony just this was in 2014 when that whole email debacle thing happened and they're like man they're dealing with it all over again Yeah. what's funny
2: so that conversation happened at um like an event in dc and i think someone asked him like what's the status of this movie yeah and he basically was like they don't want to make a movie with an asian lane and then moved on from that. <laughs> I was like, if I were there, I would follow up and exactly. be like, let's circle back to that. But then, yeah. that, people that was Aaron Sorkin it. who said it. So, I actually,
1: oh. yeah. I actually read Flash Boys, and like that character isn't the most interesting character, but it's a very like, it's. not
0: like an important character? Like the focus. It's point? an
1: important character. And like Michael Lewis books have been made into movies all over the place, like Moneyball, The Big Short, um, and. The Flashboy story itself, it's about high frequency training. It's super boring, but he writes in a very interesting way. But there's a lot of characters in there. Like he can easily build an ensemble of like other more popular white dudes. There's easy
0: white people to cast.
1: Um, (laughs) There's always more white people to cast. Brad Katsuyama, the main character, isn't like the most good looking dude. He's kind of just like, you know, he just looks like Asian banker guy, you know? (laughs) Um, I mean, but it's funny. It's um, the original email that was leaked from Sony was Aaron Sorkin telling people that he doesn't believe that this movie could be made because there are no leading Asian men.
0: Yeah, that was that was, that was his original right? thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's just interesting. It's funny to like again fast forward three years and then see where we're at with like how relevant and how much has changed. Right, like to say, what would he say now? Maybe he would yeah. say the same thing. I don't know. But well,
1: just last year, he was he had his woke moment where he realized, wait, I have privilege as a white writer.
0: Well, that oh, was. yeah. I remember that. I remember
2: when tweet- I get in trouble with tweeting. I remember tweeting like, hey, remember that time you said in this email? And then I moved on from it. But yeah, I'm not going to let people forget. And this is why t-
0: Twitter kind of overwhelms me. I'm like, is this a rabbit hole? It's of too like, much. I will never yeah. get off of it. I'm going to say a lot of things I probably don't want to like have on record. Bye. <laughs> So I just stay off.
1: Michael Lewis adaptations have a track record of being hits. Yeah, and the fact that they have to cast an Asian is what railroaded this. Is such a like a really it's just not ready yeah?
0: Yet. It's just a weird excuse. Yeah, that can't be the reason. <laughs> just keep going. If it's, and especially if things are well written, there are actors out there who are ready to act. I'm telling you. Okay, just like my last comment on this is that there's a lot of movies where the. Actors get blamed. I'm like, listen to the words that they are saying. It's a lot of the writing, okay? I'm just saying, like, you can take a terrible piece of writing and you put the best actor in it. It's still going to be terrible. So don't blame the actor. (laughs) Those parts I get very defensive. So I'm saying you could still save it and you get a good, solid actor with great writing. You got yourself a hit and now you're just making a whole new generation of (laughs) Asian-American superstars.
1: Boom. It's just another incident to show that we need people on all levels it's not just actors we need people in the executive office people in the writer's room and people in the the stage room the green room (laughs) the trailer the actors the talent the talent there you go there you go there you go go. i got it nailed it (laughs) (laughs) okay um we're gonna take a quick break um before coming back to talk more with tracy about nbc asian america and covering and covering asian america (laughs) 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 we'll be right back Hey, everyone, it's Marvin. I just want to thank everybody for listening into this episode of the Collabcast. I hope you're enjoying the show. The Collabcast, of course, is a production of Collaboration, a nonprofit organization supporting Asian Americans in the arts and entertainment. Discovering, developing, showcasing, and connecting the creative talents of the Asian American community in North America and beyond. You can learn more about Collaboration, our programs, and how to get involved by going to our website at www.collaboration.org. Um, and speaking of collaboration, we are now two months away from our flagship events, um, the Collaboration Empower Weekend. Empower Weekend is a weekend of events here in Los Angeles, celebrating and showcasing the creative talents of the Asian-American community. The weekend starts off on Friday, November 3rd with a comedy night and social followed up by our third annual collaboration Empower Creative Leadership Conference taking place on Saturday, November 4th. Um, The Empower Conference, of course, is a day-long event featuring panels, workshops, and mentorship sessions with top industry professionals and talents from the Asian-American entertainment community, including producers, directors, filmmakers, artists, actors, and creatives of all sorts. Finally, Empower Weekend wraps up on Sunday, November 5th with our Collaboration Star Finale Showcase. Um, Collaboration Star is the culmination of our year-long national talent showcases uh, featuring six up-and-coming Asian-American performing artists from all across the nation as well as special one-of-a-kind guest performances featuring collaborations between some of your favorite artists. Um, It's an event you don't want to miss. To find out more about the events and how to get tickets, uh, please go to the website empower.collaboration.org for more information. The website, again, is empower.collaboration.org And remember, that's collaboration with a K. The Collabcast is also a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of podcasts featuring unique voices from the Asian-American community. Each week, I highlight a different member of the collective. And this week, I want to give a quick shout out to They Call Us Bruce. They Call Us Bruce is a podcast hosted by Asian-American luminaries uh, Jeff Yang and Phil Yu, where they provide an unfiltered look into Asian-America. Each episode, they bring on a specific guest to dive deep into a topic concerning modern Asian America. Check out their latest episode, which is all about immigration, dreamers, and DACA. You can find the Us Bruce and the other great programs of the Potluck Collective by going to the website, podcastpotluck.com. We hope that you check out all of our programs and don't forget to subscribe to your favorites. And on that note, that'll do it for this break. Uh, thanks again for listening to the Collabcast. Let's get you back to the show. and welcome back to the collabcast episode 137 I'm Marvin
0: Yeh. I'm Minji Chang
1: and we are here with our guest Tracy Lee, the lead editor of NBC Asian America and host of Dawson Speak and <laughs> sorry I forgot your last bring
0: time. it all back bring it, bring all, it all back, back. Yeah. I like that. That's a great title. Yeah, my um, co-host uh Alman Johannes,
2: he uh, worked at NBC Out previously, and we and I, he and I were just talking about. It. He loves TV and is so much smarter at me about talking about it. And He's like, I want to do a podcast, and I was like, All right, let's do it. Very
0: nice. I don't need to sleep. Let's go.
1: That's the best reason to do a podcast, really.
0: <laughs> you know, just
1: have a dumb idea and yep. like let's go do for it. it. It's
0: the yeah. best. I do like the drunk monk idea. So I was like, What would I do drunk? Or what would I talk about? <laughs> Probably feelings, but then feelings when you're drunk is a whole other. Yeah, thing. I think be really. That'd funny. be a whole other. I think it'd be whole really thing funny too. I yeah. think
1: yeah. you need to sit down and watch something you don't like or you haven't, yeah. a lot or you stuff. haven't watched before because you think you won't like it.
2: Watch all of the whitewashed movies and roles and just get really drunk about it, and then oh, end with like, like a <laughs> monologue about like. to be like, we
0: need triple E mark, like explicit, explicit, <laughs> explicit, explicit. <laughs> For those of you don't know, I have kind of a sailor mouth, <laughs> especially <laughs> when I get mad about things.
1: Or just watch rom-coms. That's your that's your jam, right? Well,
0: the funny thing is when you watch rom-coms now, there's so much more that like okay, some one of the things that my friend brought up and we I watched part of it was she's all that. Mm. And I was like, this mother I'm trying to like – what is he doing? I went <laughs> off about Freddie Prince Jr. You're like complicit about that. <laughs> I went off. And I was like, and we're supposed to like praise you as the like, this is the kind of guy I want. And like, uh, anyway, see, this is what would is it be. <laughs> In your next podcast, idea, Yeah.
1: Man, I wonder what other rom-coms are like now so problematic.
0: Well, there's, there's – whatever.
1: Dude. Do 10 Things I Hate About You Holds up that's hold I,
0: I love 10 Things I Hate About You. I, I love, love rom coms. I love rom coms. <laughs> I have like all of them pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> but some of them you just notice things that you didn't notice when you're like 15. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um but Tracy, you're on the front lines in covering not just Asian American pop culture but like the hidden stories of Asian America through NBC Asian America. Um, how did you like yeah, how did you get started? Like like how did how did it come to be? Because I'm I'm sure like I have I have friends um in different newsrooms and they all talk about the struggle of even like pitching an asian America focused story, yeah. and you, you're able to create this whole like outlet, pretty
2: yeah. much. Yeah. I would say that the struggle is definitely still real for us. What's funny <laughs> about um, NBC Asian America, so it started in 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a producer for MSNBC at the time and complaining on Twitter about the lack of Asian-American coverage. <laughs> and I was having those same issues. I mean, I worked on amazing shows and with amazing producers, but... Like with casting anyone for a movie, you have to get your pitch approved by a lot of people before it goes anywhere, especially on TV. And so I was getting really frustrated. Um, In 2012, when I first started with MSNBC, I would do a lot of coverage about Asian Americans in politics because 2012 election time, it was relevant. Mm -hmm. And I would pitch all these things that were finally getting picked up, but there wasn't a lot of opportunity to do that on air on MSNBC at the time. Um, just because you know you're going between breaking news and you got to cover hurricanes and all those things, but then okay, politics, and it was just never ending news cycle, yeah, and so twenty fourteen was when this uh, the company was like, we need an Asian American section because they had a Latino section at the time they had a partnership with an African American news site, mm. And a lot of folks were saying uh, saying for a while, <laughs> what about Asian Americans? Where do we fit in? And we are the fastest growing yeah. you know racial group in the country, All those kind of stats that people know about. Um, But there was no place for it. And so finally the company decided after lots of conversations I was not a part of that they were going to launch this site in 2014 um, under a different editor. So I just started freelancing because I was like, I know I'm working um, on MSNBC, but still part of the company. And they said, you can write, but you have to do it on your off time.
0: Mm.
2: So I would work like from at the time in MSNBC, I was working 6 a.m. till 2 p.m. And then after that was done, then I would blog for NBC Asian America or I would pitch wow. features and do stuff on the weekends. The hustle. I, I know. But I was like, I really want to do this. I want to write. I want to report. I want to tell these kinds of stories. And then finally in 2015, the editor um, had another job opportunity. She left. And there was this opening. And I was like, I could do it. Nice. <laughs> um, and then when I did finally, I had like a little audition trial period and then finally applied, got the job, and then realized oh, like, shit, this is a lot of work. Like, yep.
1: Yeah, right. you lot. said that. Um, so you manage a lot of freelance writers, right? A lot yeah. of um, a lot of people. Because looking at like the number of outlets who report on Asian American pop culture, there's not a lot, and there's even few that have like the um, the the weight of an NBC, yeah. right? Because a lot of them are blogs. Yeah, you know, you, you have hyphen, you have core. I guess is kind of making a comeback. In They've some been ways. blogging
2: somewhat regularly. I think what's yeah. um, and I, I am a huge fan of. The bloggers like mm-hmm. I'm really good friends with Jen Feng mm-hmm. and I love Phil Yu like I all the bloggers they're what's informed our work but I, in my conversations with them they always say like they're not journalists and they'll say that up front they're like if they called the police station and were say hi I'm like so-and-so from Angry Asian Man they'd be like what <laughs> but if I call and say I'm from NBC News they'll be like okay like right. and plus because I have a journalism background my deputy editor has a journalism background um we we want to make sure that we're doing original reporting. So, like, all of our articles and everything, 100% has to be originally reported. Um, we don't... I mean, not that there's anything wrong with people who blog, but when we're NBC, like, you got to pick up the phone. You got to get original materials and stuff like that. And there's... Like I, at the moment, yeah, there's no other news organization that has sources, resources like this dedicated to covering Asian Americans. But we do work with um, a lot of freelancers, yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: I just, like... Okay, this is so L.A. and Hollywood actory, but... <laughs> Um, I have done scenes from like the movie newsroom or like, you know, yes. like and it's kind of like in <laughs> that I, I love and I used to watch the news because I just I'm the nerd kid that like watch the nightly news with my parents because yeah. I just want to know what's going on and kind of researching that background of like how much Due diligence you have to do and how much work it takes because for me as an actor and I'm doing my my research right I need to that's my job is if I'm playing a reporter I need to know what urgency and what um, is at stake and yeah. like, all those details right and so in that research I was just fascinated because it is so cutthroat yeah I feel like and it, there's like I love there's an element of being cutthroat you're always fighting for eyeballs so you have to kind of always figure out what's priority or what gets that. Yeah. Headline, or what gets the this section of the you know of the home page or mm-hmm, whatever, mm-hmm. so is that like is is it I mean, how do you just deal with that? because that's like your life every
2: day yeah. right it's a it's a lot. and I think the internet, I, think I sound like an old person who says the internet <laughs> has made journalism not complicated but very competitive to yeah. a point where like I think that the internet has done great things for news and media, and it's absolutely necessary, and like I'm hundred percent into digital Obviously, that's my job, but At the same time, like I'm not a stickler to being like, we need print still. I think print is great, but you do need to be competitive. However, it does cause people to be sloppy reporters sometimes. So you do see people who don't want to pick up the phone and make a phone call. They rely on other people's reporting. Well, if that other person's reporting is wrong and – In journalism, sometimes your reporting is wrong or things change. Right, You're not updating your story and waiting for that person. All of a sudden, you're wrong and then that's your reputation. That's your Um, reputation. You're misinforming
0: people. Exactly. Because I've seen people, like, blatant things. I was like... Over time, obviously, we've consumed so much media at this yeah. point, right? And I've seen different articles where I'm like, "That's not even that person's name." Like, I swear to God, I read it in like you know yeah, like a source. And like, that's the thing. It's like when you, what's your source? Like, how do you know? And like, that's mm-hmm. a, the internet of things. Is like, well, maybe it's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's accurate. I mean,
1: there's there's this push to get more like internet literacy into schools as like a class, just because it's really easy to read something and assume to be true. Because internet, the internet creates transparency and it creates a, a more free flow of information but there's more information and i and, and I, I do see sometimes i'm reading you know um an article where the only source is another article so i'm just like i'm just gonna go to that article yeah and we like read from the, source. the original source yeah. yeah especially
2: because if that original source like for us if we have done a story and we'll keep updating maybe that same story or like we want to be authorities or we want to be able to say authoritatively like we know this one of the things i used to say all the time um when i was at npr they'd be like Okay, the, you know, New York Times know that knows this, but do we know this and mm-hmm. how do we know this? Cuz you can't just rely on someone else yeah. cause-
0: it's so philosophical yeah. now. It's like how do we know this? Well, yeah. how do we know that this fact is a fact and like
1: And that's what makes like so, you know, these days we have the the war on the media, right? Where the president hates the press yeah. and just calls everything fake news, but In in that it's like it's really important for us to trust like it's important for us to trust the news and it's important for us to trust the outlets. Right. So, you know, that's why when I when I look for news, I look for outlets that I trust. I know that they do that due diligence where they're not just reporting what everyone else is reporting or whatever's the hot scoop right now. They're trying to get like the truth.
2: Yeah. Well, then it's the yeah. same way, you know, you need to trust a news organization and us as journalists, we need to not do stuff to make you not trust us. Yeah. Right. Right. So we need to make sure that we believe ourselves as much because if we're asking a, a reader to click on our article and then keep coming back right. to us reader. yeah, and to trust us, yeah. like we can't just kind of throw it out there. And I think that's frustrating for us sometimes because a lot of other organizations or bloggers or people on Twitter will do that. And so for us, we're like, we don't want to compete with them. This is not a a competition because we don't have enough of us out there that we should be tearing each other down. But, like, at the same time, when we're not reporting something, there's probably a reason for it. Like, there's a reason because we don't trust the reporting or because our off-the-record source has said XYZ and we're working (laughs) on something. So it makes, like, investigative journalism a little bit more difficult. But at the same time, like when we do have a big story or a big scoop, like you can trust that it's a big deal. Yeah,
0: That's so fascinating. So I've actually had... Um, a discussion with a friend who works in tech, right? And we were talking about media because they're like, "Well, that's your universe," and I was like, "That's very true." And I have a different insight because I'm focused on it, like really regularly. Wake, you know, compared to you and that friend, reads headlines. They they see whatever kind of rises to the surface, and then we're like in the thick of it. Same thing. I was like, "Well, yeah, I don't know if anything's going on in tech because I'm not paying attention. Like, I see whatever the next iPhone is, and that's kind of you know <laughs> whatever yeah. everyone's talking about." So I was like saying like. It kind of gave me a moment of reflection of like, okay, well, we've brought on so many different people on our podcast, 137 episodes, and a lot of those have had featured guests, and they have different insights, right? Everyone has their different experience, and we're saying like we're very lucky because we get to kind of curate all that and like hear everybody's thing week in and week out and then do the shows and like talk with the students in Asian America. So we have a very unique viewpoint right where we see it a lot on the grassroots level and then to the professional and kind of that in between what's your I'm really curious as to like because you do the investigative journaling and I, I, I follow NBC Asian America I see the kinds of stories because you guys do all the the hot trending stuff but yeah. you also go really deep and you like do these amazing like human interest stories where like if you didn't do that, I'm like, who the hell would have done that? No yeah. one would have gone that deep or that far. And yeah. the video
1: con- you have great video content too. You yeah. partner with Jubilee Project, partner mm-hmm. with, you know, um Jason Locke doing the um the spirituality stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like A all lot of those, stories. Yeah, that, you know, on
0: the, on yeah. different religions and backgrounds and stuff. So kind of I'm curious is like because we are very like entertainment yeah. focused, obviously, and what storytellers and musicians and comedy dance, all that. But what's your take on Asian America, like where we're at, because you, you see all the controversy, but you also see a lot more. I think,
2: I think what's great about, I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing all the entertainment coverage, but I've noticed that a lot of the blogs and sites will do that because that's kind of, I mean, there's, there's so much to talk about whitewashing and all that stuff, which we've talked about as well, but there's not a lot of people talking about the politics and policy, which, because it's complicated. It's yeah. so complicated. It's actually really challenging to dive into that. You need to build a lot of sources. And if you're a blogger, like you can't just show up in Congress, right? Yeah. So, so those kind of sources are important to build up. And I think for us, not that no one was noticing them before, but if you're going to prioritize news, right? Everyone these days, when they think about immigration, they equate it with the Latino issue, even though we know that that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to talk about... Uh, police brutality and racism, people immediately will default to talking to African-American reporters about their experiences and stuff like that. People just don't understand where Asian-Americans fall. And when I say people, I mean like the mainstream, quote-unquote the mainstream. And so what we're trying to do at MBC Asian America is like put those stories on the mainstream. So for instance, in February, I broke a story about the resignation of uh, President Trump's uh, Asian American Advisory Commission. Mm-hmm. There were all these commissioners that have been around since Bill Clinton, that he established this, um, or Norman had established this under President Clinton. And 10 of these commissioners decided in February, we're resigning because we just can't. We just can't with this administration, right? <laughs> they can't even. And they they ha- wanted to sort of break the news, but at the same time, they were like, if we just post this news, no one's really going to see it. And yeah. so they contacted me, and I went through like a two weeks of sort of reporting out, talking to the White House, all these people, and then we broke the story. And it was a story that was picked up. I saw it on the Hill. I saw it in AP. I saw it on a lot of local stations because these commissioners were all over the country. Right. And it's one of those things where it's like, if they had just posted their resignation letter as a PDF online, would anyone have seen it? Right, right. right. But we're a news organization, NBC in America, that specifically is looking for this kind of information. So like... Not only that, but then we'll talk about affirmative action, whereas everyone kind of sees the narrative as Asian-Americans hate affirmative action. Well, that's not necessarily true. Uh-huh. And so we're saying, actually, this is what the narrative is, but the mainstream hasn't quite caught on because they just don't know who to ask. They right, don't know right, where right, to right. look. They don't know if there's data because there's not a lot of polling data right. um, available on like Pew and all that stuff. So we're just trying to normalize the Asian-American experience when it comes to you know issues of politics, policy, health, Whatever else that's not just entertainment, it. yeah, um, and it's a huge challenge because there's not often a lot of
0: resources. That's out what I'm there saying. You got it. a lot of ground to cover, girl. And it's like, <laughs> there
2: is. We we say we want to do everything Asian America, but the thing if you're trying to be everything for everyone, yeah, then you're not really doing your job, so yeah.
1: But the fact that your, your outlet has a Asian American news desk is something that is still, I. I I don't know why there's not more. Yeah, you know because there are issues that are uniquely Asian American that that kind of have more nuance from an Asian American um, perspective that is being lost because, like like you said, people think immigration is a Latino thing. People think poverty is a Black thing. Yeah, um, where it's also a Asian American thing too.
2: It is in New York City. um, The I think it was a report either earlier this year or last year that said like in New York City itself the minority group that is most impoverished are Chinese Americans because of the elders who live in Chinatown. So like those kinds of things, we, and not only that, like the definition of what Asian America is, which is very challenging for Mm, a lot of people. It's not a racial term. It was a political term and it has to encompass a very large continent. (laughs) And there are so many people who fall under that umbrella and yet everyone feels like they're not being represented. So you know, when it comes to talking about Muslim Americans and Sikh Americans, like, those are Asian American issues, mm-hmm. and we have to respect that and talk about them, too, and bring them to the to the table.
1: Yeah. And then, otherwise, you end up with stuff like um, those blobs in your tea.
2: Oh, God. Oh, my God. I, I honestly feel didn't, like... didn't open it. <laughs> exactly. She just walked down the street and was like, hey, this this place.
0: I did not open that. I was like,
1: I'm not reading this. Did you see the... Um, so many things they, they, they showed the original text of the article, and what yeah, i the edit And like, basically, it's a completely different article.
2: And see, it's those kinds of things where it's like, and not that I've had to stop people from publishing stuff at NBC that's offensive, but like, there have been times when maybe a reporter or a writer will write a sentence in there, and then I'll read it and say like, you know, maybe we should not refer to this because I don't know if you know the history and the context. And yeah. then they'll be like, oh, I didn't know. So we just try to be a second pair yeah. of eyes so stuff like, like that we're, doesn't we're, happen. We're not only really
1: calling it the Far East anymore.
2: Oh my God. They <laughs> said that, that, was that Bobo washed up on the shores of the Pacific and I was just like, dear God, <laughs> please don't what? make it stop. She just wanted to read
0: it. <laughs> I was like, I'm not, this is gonna, I have enough things that I'm upset about right now. Yeah. So I have to monitor this stuff. I'm like, <laughs> protect it's self it's preservation oh Uh. my dear goodness oh my gosh (laughs) well because like and even honestly on the entertainment front like it's interesting because in the community we know like we have a general sense because we have so many events and so many blogs and so many things that we consume you kind of know who is really kind of plugged in to that and then there's people on kind of the periphery and they don't they don't know kind of all the movement that happens within the community and you just want so desperately be like you're gonna be the one that gets asked, you know what yeah. I mean, and that's what I see in like articles. I'm like, they go for the celebrities, obviously. I get that because, to a degree, they are they they have their experience. I'm not trying to take away from that. They're the ones in the the industry, but then there's all these other like for us, we're like even like further removed. We're like way back there, but we're doing a lot of things to kind of galvanize the community and create relevance and and context so that, because like for me, again, I'm totally into the entertainment thing, but I didn't know a lot of Asian American history. I didn't know uh, like the full story behind Vincent Chin. I didn't know the full story, even with the LA riots. And I grew up in the Bay, like right there, but you know, I was so young when it happened and so I didn't know. And like, that's all really important stuff to have under your belt when you are going to speak you know, intelligently on the Asian American experience and whatnot. And there's still that disconnect, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like we're still trying to fill in those gaps.
2: I think that that context is important. Context for us, like we say we're a news site, obviously, but at the same time, like we want to fill in the gaps for people. So for instance, um, like I had somebody once who said to me at an event, she was like, You know, I have my son who's 13 years old. Like, sometimes I force him to read these articles because I feel like he's not going to get this education in school. Because he's not going to get ethnic studies, Asian American studies, unless he takes it as an elective in college. For sure. Whereas, like, we need to start educating people now with all of the news out there. Like, let's start putting this information in front of people right now in a place that is somewhat easily accessible. Like, what I want people to do is click on an article that we'll do and then all of a sudden be like hit in the face with some like context which is we've done that before with like our incarceration stories we did that with um a chinese laundry story where people were like i read i would read the facebook comments and they're like you know i clicked this headline and then all of a sudden i like got schooled in asian american history and i wasn't expecting it but that's cool (laughs) and i'm like yes that's the that's what we want thank you that's when
0: you're like i liked reading the comments thank you very much
2: yeah i read oh god (laughs) that's
1: a
0: whole other story but this is where there's a reason why everyone says don't read the yeah
1: and it's important to get people to start talking and thinking about race right um Ta-Nehisi Coast just had a really great article in the Atlantic where he talked about Trump winning but in terms of like his whole um, deal is about race it's about mm-hmm. white supremacy and the history of that in American culture and how people just don't like talking about it so they they, they make up like oh it's economics it's culture it's it's not race because we're it's not it's not because of Obama. We're so <laughs> right? beyond
0: that. We're so beyond yeah. It's 20 yeah. whatever whatever the year is. I'll insert the year. We're like we're so it's not even about that. But I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out how to even articulate myself on that too because I'm only coming from my experience and my set of eyes and what I've been educated on. There's still so much that I don't know. And I grew up in the bay where I felt maybe even kind of lazy about it to be honest. I think looking back, I think because I grew up in such a diverse area, I think like whatever I—I I don't know what I believe. Like through osmosis, like I'm just really cultured. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But, and and to a degree, it's true because you're just exposed to so many different kinds of cultures. It's right there. Yeah. But also, if you don't know, if you don't dig deeper, mm-hmm. it's going to be still a very superficial understanding, yeah. right? Yeah. And then you're gonna you're gonna walk around <laughs> feeling like, oh well, I get it, and like, no, you don't. yeah.
1: And even then, it's a it's. There's a history in the Bay Area, right? That's where the first Chinese immigrants came in the exactly. 1800s. Like, mm-hmm. post-Civil War, 1800s. This one, we went to know? Angel
0: Island. I went there to hike mm-hmm. with my family. And then they, my mom schooled me on it. She was telling me all about this stuff. And then we went into the, um, the structures where they did all of the paperwork and all the where they were held and all, i was like i had yeah. no idea you know
2: it's interesting I, mean, I grew up in sacramento which is a very diverse city um and i never really thought about it either but then when i got to college and took that asian american studies of <laughs> course and then learned about vincent chin and all these things i had that moment of like oh my god i don't know anything <laughs> and i think i have to still admit to myself and i think this is one of the things about journalists that like, you can tell what makes a good journalist when someone says, like, I don't know about that, instead of just trying to make it up or something. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. they're very honest to say, like, some of our best reporters, if they're on air and someone asks them a question, rather than trying to spin it, they'll just say, like, honestly, I don't know that, but here's what I know from my reporting. Because you cannot know everything. And in sure. Asian where I'm still learning. Like, For sure. That's what I love about editing the site. It's like, you can learn about a lot of things, because we have to fact-check everything ourselves. Like, oh, I didn't know about this legislation or about this historical moment. Like, right. I, I didn't I didn't learn that at all growing up and then all of a sudden now I'm like every day I'm learning about it which is kind of cool
0: very cool <laughs> um one of the things I was really curious about because for someone who has to like create and consume so much content day in and day out do you have anything that like sticks out as like your favorite was either like your favorite interview because I know I I love because I follow, I'm friends with you on Facebook so I get to see all the things that you get to geek out about which is so <laughs> fun because you're just like well you know you work so hard you want to have it be enjoyable yeah. so it was like who is like your favorite like yay! This is my job moment. <laughs> oh man, it's so. T- I mean,
2: I've gotten to interview a lot of people that I really admire and really love. Um, my most recent favorite interview was probably Ross Butler. Um, He's nice. I've interviewed him twice now. Once for um, an event, and then once I did an interview. We played like a game of twenty questions, um, <laughs> nice. and he was just so game to talk. And like you can, I can always tell when people have talking points prepared. Like it's you could just tell when they have their talking points. Um, that was very true for like press junkets. So when I interviewed Zhang Yimou, Matt Damon, like you can tell there are there are talking points. Yeah. Um, but people like Ross Butler, who not that he isn't super media trained, but he's not he's, he doesn't do interviews a ton, right? Yeah. So he's very relaxed, and you could tell he's very relaxed. So I love those kind of interviews. Um, one of my first big interviews I did back in like 2015, I want to say 2014, was. Um, uh aquafina
0: i love i her. interviewed nora
2: and it was just the best time because yeah it was so like free-flowing and we spent maybe like an hour just talking in her apartment and then we went and hung out with her grandma who um speaks cantonese and i speak cantonese and so she gave me dumplings and we <laughs> ate nice. rice and just bonded about like oh, love chinese restaurants yeah. and she like was so open and to, to talk to us because like and afterwards Nora was just like oh my god my grandma loves you like she's going to want you to go back and eat like lunch all the time at her house so just like building that rapport and getting to be like oh that was a really cool interview and i yeah. interviewed her before she got all these you know movies and everything so it was like really cool to kind of see that happen um it's just really cool to be able to talk to people that i admire and love yeah, like some yeah. people are like oh when you go in an interview like be professional and calm and i am professional but i also will not be shy about being like a fangirl because yeah. you want to be able to love the things that you're investing in. Genuine. Your time into. Yeah. yeah I think and that, that gets the person to talk to you more genuinely too. Because
0: there's scary fangirling and then there's like yeah. really just like, dude, I'm such a fan. Yeah. And you do amazing work. And I, w- I can't imagine anybody being like, oh, why are you saying that to me? Stop it. Get away. And like, <laughs> no, there's like, thank you. you yeah. Know? I mean,
2: if, you know, do a little bit of research about the person, obviously, but being able to refer to the work that they've done yeah. or something they posted on social media that you really loved, like, that's just. It's a fun way to build rapport, and oftentimes you get, what, five, ten minutes to talk to someone, especially if it's a press junket. You want to make sure you make the most
0: of that time. I'm learning so much. <laughs> we've, yeah. We've, we've had our run-ins, and, like, I have—we produce, you know, right? We help with live events and stuff. We did Cape Gala last year. I helped with Core. And it's just, like, keeping your cool and, like, keeping level-headed sometimes when you're around someone that you're, like, ah! <laughs> yeah. It's a skill. Yeah, so you're like you're mastering it because you're just gonna be. And we've been around so many different artists, and we've seen a lot of artists that when we knew them a lot early on, and now they're like, it's cool, you, right? It's, it's, it's amazing. Really cool. You're like, dude, I knew you'd get, I knew you, I knew you'd do well.
1: And sometimes you just geek out. Like you can't listen to Daniel Day Kim talk without like feeling little something.
0: <laughs> oh my god!
2: <gosh. laughs> so can I say that I interviewed Daniel Day Kim for NBC Asian America like a few years ago, and then I moderated an event during APAM during May, yeah. and like. The whole time when he was talking, and I was like, I gotta moderate this. It's like a four panel discussion, but every time he would start talking, I'd be like, just keep talking. And I'm like, no, I gotta moderate. But he just says like the most insightful things, and I just want a fangirl all the time. He's he's a lovely person. Yeah.
1: He's just very eloquent. I'm kind of glad he's back in LA now so that he can be around more. Yeah, no, he's
0: awesome. He's so great. And (laughs) dude, I don't know. I just feel like, again, grass is, it's like, not the grass is greener. That's the wrong (laughs) metaphor. It's, it's one door closes and then like a bigger, better one opens. Like I think he's ready to like build his own thing. And that's a lot of other artists. And I feel like these conversations really kind of, it drives home that message that like there's a lot of support out there. Yeah. That's, that's what I noticed with a lot of artists that they don't realize when they don't know what's kind of, they don't see the duck's feet under the water. Mm-hmm. Like all the motions that happen so that we can kind of rise together it's a big deal that's why I have, I have so much respect and you know I was always just a consumer of media now that I get to be in the mix with this and, and understand all the work that goes into it and how vital it is because if without that substance and context then like we're just making fluff and we're just talking and complaining out of nowhere you know what I mean <laughs> and getting nowhere yeah so I have a lot of respect for what you do and journalism Thank and like know. it's a freaking exhausting ass job it really is but Tracy's <laughs> gotta do she's like you committed so props to you well I have, to, have to say I
2: mean I have to give I, major props to all my freelancers and then of course my deputy editor and I have we have an assistant producer who's like a year contract who works with us um they really helped me do everything because I would not be I did this job of like solo one person for maybe about two or three months before I hired people yeah and it was just like nightmare it was was just so much because you got to run all your social media you got to and at the time I wanted knew I wanted to launch these video projects and I was like I can't do that plus do all the stories plus do you know like you just need good support system and not that like they're only my support system like I feel like I'm their support system because yeah. I just am like the biggest team. cheerleader for them yeah, I think the team is amazing that's yeah. awesome
1: well we're super thankful of the uh, of what you're building over there at Thank MCH you. in America um, always it's always great just to read your articles and learn new things about like we said about our community because it's vast yeah. we're all over there's a lot of different stories a lot of different communities to cover and we need we need more people to really yes. t- Uncover and tell those stories. Yeah. So thank you so much. there's
0: anybody that we know that you need to know, like, you hit us up. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely.
1: And on that note, uh, I guess we're going to call it for this episode of the CollabCast.
0: 137,
1: baby. 137's in the books. Um, Tracy, if people want to find more about you and find your podcast, where can they go?
2: <laughs> uh, well, first, a plug to NBC Asian America. It's just NBC Asian America, one word, on all of our social medias, Twitter, Facebook. Um, and of course, NBCAsianAmerica.com. dot com. Me personally, uh, I am everywhere on social media at Tracy G Lee. So Tracy with an I, and then G Lee. Most people think it's Tracy Glee, but G is my middle <laughs> initial. So that on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and from there I link out to. I overpromote myself probably too much, but yeah. from there you no can such, find no such thing. <laughs> you can find all of my uh, podcasts, blogs, work,
0: everything there. So Very yeah. cool. My cousin's name is Grace Lee, so she's Glee everywhere. It's <laughs> <laughs> so cute.
1: And you guys can reach us at the Collabcast by emailing us at podcast at collaboration.org. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Um, give us a good rating and review if you have time on Apple. It really helps us out. Five stars. Um, thanks to Tim and Atlas Netflix. for use of the song Die for this month's intro and outro. Um, yeah, that's it.
0: Thank you so much, Tracy. Thank Thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks a lot. And we'll see you all next week. Bye, Bye, guys.
0: guys.